Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the May 20th, 2021 Public Open House on the Downtown Master Plan Draft. My name is Amy Miller, and I will be helping to facilitate the meeting along with our consultants from House Hill Levine Associates. Joining me here in the Ad Astra Conference Room here at City Hall Riverfront is Luke Mortensen. Currently, we have everyone muted so we can talk through the general ground rules for tonight's meeting. The meeting is being recorded and it is also being broadcast live on the city's YouTube channel. The video will be posted to the project website after the meeting. During the meeting, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand corner of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you are muted, a red line will appear over the icon. This will make it easier for everyone to hear the meeting. Just remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. You can also turn your video camera on or off by clicking the video icon in the menu. For the purposes of this meeting, when you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you are not participating, it's okay to turn your video off. You will still be able to listen to the meeting when your video is off. You'll just have to remember to turn your video back on when you are participating. Turning your video off when you are not participating will help make sure that the active meeting participants can be seen on the screen. If you are participating by phone, you can enter star six to mute or unmute your phone. Somewhere on your Zoom screen, you will also see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker, gallery view tiles all of the meeting participants. Please also state your name when you do speak. The consultant will begin the open house with a presentation on the process and walk everyone through the draft plan. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity for everyone to ask questions and or give any comments. At this point, we will ask individuals to use the raise your hand feature in Zoom. Windows and Mac users can access this feature through the participants button at the bottom of the screen. Android and iPhone users can access this feature through the more button located at the bottom right hand corner of their screen. For those calling in by phone, you might dial star nine. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. When you're called upon, please unmute your listening device and state your name before speaking. We will also ask for comments and questions from anyone physically present. At this time, there is not anyone physically in the room besides staff. Because of the number of participants at tonight's meeting and to adhere to the 6 to 8 p.m. time frame for the meeting, we will ask that participants limit their comments to three minutes. There are plenty of options to provide comments to the consultant and the consultant will go over all of those options in their presentation. You may also use the chat feature in Zoom and staff will record those comments and provide them to the consultant after the meeting. I want to again remind everyone to please mute yourself when you are not speaking. Thank you all for joining us this evening and participating in the process. Now I will turn the meeting over to Nick Davis and Jackie Wells, part of our consultant team. Thank you, Amy. Um, so my name is Nick Davis with House of Levine. I'll do some introductions as we launch in, but I first wanna just thank everyone for joining us tonight for the community open house for the Downtown Lawrence Master Plan. Uh, 
Um, as I mentioned, my name is Nick Davis with Hustle Levine. I've served as the project manager for the downtown Lawrence master plan. Um, I have over 15 years of playing experience and I've worked on over 15 downtown plans um, across the across the country. And then also on the line is Jackie Wells. She served as the lead planner on this project, um, was a, a resident of Lawrence for 10 years and is a KU graduate. So tonight's agenda, we're gonna go over a couple of different things. First of all, we're gonna talk about the overview or go through an overview of the planning process. We're gonna review the draft downtown Lawrence master plan, its recommendations, some of its visualizations, um, the structure and the policies. Uh, we'll go over next steps, what comes after tonight's workshop or tonight's open house. And then we'll also open it up for any questions or comments from um, all of you that have attended. So there's a couple of different ways that we, uh, we can receive your comments tonight. So the first one is if you want to send comments in the Zoom chat, we're going to start to consolidate or combine all of those comments. Those would be um, responses that we're able to provide. You can also fill out a survey on the project website. So I left this link up here. And later on in the uh, discussion portion of this, of this presentation, we'll leave these links up there so you'll be able to, to write them down if you don't have enough time. Um, so on that website, you're able to provide us specific recommendations, comments, notes, anything that you would like us to um, consider as we move forward in this process. You can also send an email directly to the city at downtownplan at uh, lawrenceks.org. So if you have any questions, please feel free to provide your comments in the chat, or you can fill out these um, the survey or send an email. So this first part, the about the about the planning process and, and why we do this. You know, what's the purpose of the downtown plan? Um, you know, we're here to engage the community to identify its desires, its needs, and aspirations. So this is what's really guided us through this planning process. Um, a part of our our overall project scope was to assess the existing issues and opportunities, both identified by our reconnaissance, by previous plans and studies that have been prepared, feedback that we've received from um, the community and stakeholders, the steering committee, um, as well as just working with the city staff. Um, recognizing the existing successful nature of the downtown and making sure that we're incorporating some of the innovative and creative initiatives that have happened prior to this study being conducted. And even during this study, some of the things that have come out of, you know, some of the recent effects that we've, we've all been experiencing. Um, creating a guide for the future capital projects to support grant applications and a direct development activity to ensure that the policies that we're putting in place um, are making sure that in the future, the, the development is responding to those policies or those recommendations. And then ensuring that the, the realization of the plan's vision, goals, and policies uh, occur through the implementation plan, which is one of the final chapters in this, this overall document. We'll talk a little bit about that when we get there. The planning process was broken up into seven different tasks, seven different phases. Um, the first task was project initiation. The second task was community outreach. And although that, that first task is identified as community outreach, we had conducted community outreach really throughout this project. Um, but that task two and task three and task four had all sort of run parallel to one another with community outreach being occurred or being conducted. Task three was the market and demographic analysis. And the market and demographic analysis was rolled up into task four and provided in the existing conditions analysis. Uh, task five was establishing the vision statement and the guiding principles. And then using those um, guiding principles and the vision statement, we prepared inside of task six, the draft downtown master plan, which is a large part of what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, our next step is to, and we're sort of right there in the middle of the draft downtown master plan and the final downtown plan and implementation. 
Um, so all the comments that we receive, you know, both what we've received so far on the project website, comments that we've received from the city uh, or the city, comments that we received via email and the survey, all of that is being uh, compiled into a list. And those are comments that will be taken to the steering committee to get their feedback. And then ultimately taking that to the city commission rolled up with what we're hearing from the uh, steering committee. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about those next steps uh, towards the end of this presentation. Uh, to the right, you can just see the downtown planning area. This is the area that we used to define this overall study. Um, just briefly, I'll go over the community engagement that had been conducted for this project. This is all in the downtown document. Um, so if you want to see this in more detail, it's available on the project website. Uh, community engagement. So for in-person events, we conducted a community workshop. We had over 100 attendees. Uh, where they provided feedback on what they would like to see, what their issues, what the issues are in the downtown, what some of the opportunities might be. Um, a similar workshop was conducted for the businesses of downtown. We held a downtown and adjacent neighborhoods workshop. Again, over 100 participants participated that night. Um, there were focus groups, DIY kits, and visioning workshops that were conducted. The visioning workshop, <clears throat> those are the maps that you're seeing up at the top right. These were um, you know, community-led visioning sessions at a table. Uh, so all the drawings that you're seeing up there are, are from residents or business owners um, or really anybody in the, in the uh, Lawrence area that wanted to provide us some feedback. Uh, we compiled all of that information and used that as some of our, our visioning uh, exercise, some of the, the plan guidance, and also some of the, the plans recommendations. Um, there were online and still are some of the online participants uh, participation opportunities. Um, the project website allowed people to fill out online questionnaires. There was a map.social uh, application that allowed people to provide, you can see it on the right, their points, ideas, um, aspects of the downtown that they'd like to see improved, aspects of the downtown that they really like and they wanna make sure um, is retained. And then more recently, we conducted a visual preference survey. We had over, I believe, 250 participants uh, fill this out. And the visual preference survey was just meant to identify the types of, if it's buildings or streetscape or parking components that everybody um, you know, is gravitating towards. And that helped us when we were starting to prepare the, the architectural recommendations or the built environment recommendations, um, what types of uses were most appropriate. Um, sorry, I think I jumped ahead a little bit there. So from the visual preference survey, we established the vision statement for this project. Yeah, Amy, it's going to keep happening. Sorry. What I guess I would recommend at this point is I can do a kind of a verbal overview, but I don't think sharing a screen is a good idea. Folks, we're going to take a five-minute break while we try and work out this issue. If you all just want to bear with us, stay logged in, but we'll be back in five minutes.
unanswered. Diane was like, you can stop sharing the screen, I know. Hey, Porter. Hey, can you mute? Ask, just, no. Are you able to see my screen? Yes. So from the VPS, we moved into establishing the vision statement for the project. And the vision statement for the project is a 20-year outlook. Uh, the way it is drafted inside of the, the downtown plan I think at this point, I would prefer to just either take questions from the group. So Amy, I'll leave that to you. Amy or Luke. Yeah, why don't you go and continue kind of verbally going through the presentation if possible while we try to, we're still working on it. Thank you, everybody. Sure. 
Um, and I, I apologize, everyone. I wish you were able to see some of this. The, the presentation itself is built off of what's in the draft plan. So if you are able to follow along inside of the draft plan um, that's provided from the project website, that would be great. Uh, if not, we can certainly provide this presentation as a PDF uh, after this, uh, after the open house. But the next part of this was just going over the uh, vision statement. We were going to highlight some of the, the key points that came out of that. So for example, in the vision statement in 2020, downtown Lawrence is thriving as the heart of the community and has grown in prominence as a regional and statewide destination. Uh, downtown has adapted to the changes in the retail environment forced by trends in e-commerce with a shift towards experience-based businesses. Um, Established niche retailers remain anchors of downtown and complement new and diverse restaurant, entertainment, and nightlife options. And rental apartments and condominiums are available at a variety of price points and are made even more attractive by the new grocery store that makes downtown more livable. Um, updates to the zoning code ensure that new development does not loom over adjacent neighborhoods. Improved access to the North Lawrence via or North Lawrence via the Lawrence Loop has spurred interest for a pedestrian bridge. New minority business program offers incentives and advice to help minority business owners establish in downtown. New facade improvement grant uh, offers property owners financial and planning assistance for the restoration of historic storefronts. And the city, in conjunction with other stakeholders, are researching opportunities to activate the river, including expanding fishing, kayaking, and other recreational opportunities, as well as whitewater course. Public art is strategically located throughout downtown, taking advantage of unexpected spaces such as the AT&T Tower. and a permanent outdoor event space allows for year-round use and is home to the expanded farmer's market. And one of the key aspects of this, the vision statement, throughout its evolution, downtown has retained the characteristics that make it special while continuing to remain relevant, reaffirming its sense of identity as uniquely Lawrence. Um, after the vision statement was drafted, our team had prepared the guiding principles, and these guiding principles really served as a thread between the entire document. Uh, the guiding principles included strengthen downtown as a destination, leverage the riverfront, balance historic preservation with infill development, reinforce downtown as an economically thriving district, maintain downtown as the civic and cultural heart of Lawrence, make it easy to get around, create an attractive pedestrian environment and ensure equitable participation and involvement. Um, from there, we established the land uses that were appropriate in the downtown, which included residential, retail, restaurants and bars, service and office space, our, our uh, artisan manufacturing, entertainment and cultural uses, institutional and civic uses, and then parks and open space. Um, we also made a point to, to provide some guidance on what downtown mixed use should look like, what those mix of uses um, would be appropriate, uh, how those are appropriate either on the ground floor or on the upper floor. And then mm -hmm. also just, oops, sorry. Hey, Nick, it's Amy Miller. Sure. Um, you want to go ahead and try the screen sharing again? Sure. I've got it here. We're gonna give it another good old fashioned try. Yes.
So as I had mentioned, we identified uses that were appropriate in the downtown, um, but it being a downtown and that there needs to be some flexibility on, you know, specifically what a block or a parcel should redevelop or should be in the future. Uh, we provided these functional sub areas. So the functional sub areas are drawn from um, key edges or key ways that people move through or experience the downtown. Uh, it responds to the current zoning as well as the existing land uses. And in the identification of these functional sub areas, we provided 11 distinct areas with, you know, what the character should be, what the building heights should be, um, you know, what, what use mix is appropriate, and then a brief description of each one of those. Um, as a part of identifying these functional sub areas, we identified opportunity sites. And it's important to acknowledge these opportunity sites. There's several different types of opportunity sites. There's redevelopment opportunity sites, um, which are really uh, parcels that include opportunities to either expand on a building that's there um, or increase the scale of a building that might be there or change the types of uses. Um, there's also parking lot redevelopment. So converting an existing surface parking lot to uh, a use that might contribute to the downtown character uh, or overall built form in a different way. Um, there were some catalyst sites that were identified uh, and then also strategic investments. And I'll talk a little bit more about strategic investments in a minute. Uh, but it's important to note that these, these are properties, any property can redevelop uh, um, at any point. Uh, and these aren't the city taking um, any one of these opportunities in developing themselves. This would be led by property owners, led by, um, you know, any business that wanted to acquire something and build there. So it looks like it's still occurring, Amy. Sorry. So I'm going to go ahead and stop sharing and keep walking through this. Um, as I had mentioned, uh, two aspects that are important when you're talking about strategic investment, um, activating vacant storefronts. This is a very important issue that had been identified throughout our entire planning process, not just in the last uh, 13 or, or 15 months. And we provided a couple of strategies for how to activate storefronts. Um, you know, there's some things where you can't uh, change what rents are being charged uh, from a city standpoint, but there are ways that you could either assign a tax or a vacancy rate or a vacancy tax. Um, and there's some other strategies that we provide inside of the plan to address those vacant storefronts. We also talk about facade enhancements. So what type of facade enhancements would be appropriate, which buildings, um, you know, needed to be uh, in the future uh, improved. Um, gave a couple of examples of projects that have, have done that well. Um, and then the next section is the transportation and circulation. So as part of this section, we identified the roadway network, looking at um, some of the, the principal arterial, minor arterial collector, you know, what makes up this road system, um, what the hierarchy is. We also reflected on some of the recent improvements, the North Lawrence access, the sixth and maths um, street intersection, and then just pulling from those, what are some future opportunities that the, the city should consider? Um, we didn't do a full parking study that wasn't a part of this project, but we did examine some of the parking issues that are in downtown. Many of this um, or many of the recommendations here were provided either in the, the community workshop or the visioning workshop about different approaches or different strategies that residents and business owners would like to see. Um, the downtown parking app, which I know is already underway um, in the retrofitting of some of the metered uh, parking spots is, is one of those topic areas that we had talked about. 
but also in the plan, we'd identified some of the parking walk shed just to give people a sense for, um, you know, there is, there is quite a bit of private and public parking in downtown. Um, and the challenge isn't always just that you're not able to park. And, and that was for off street, not able to park, but it's not um, conducive or it's not as easily accessible to maybe some of the uses that you wanted to um, visit if you want to go to multiple locations. So that park once and walk around um, mentality was something that we, we were really trying to provide recommendations for in the future. Uh, the Lawrence Loop was uh, something that we had talked about and incorporated some of the more recent existing and planned Lawrence Loop uh, delineations and then how that's going to tie into um, the, the northern edge of the downtown or right there along the river. And then building off of that, we provided some examples of what are like an option two, option three, multi-use path could look like uh, along the Vermont Street and Massachusetts Street Bridge. Um, building off of the existing infrastructure in, in option one, and then potentially doing like a cantilever approach in option two. Uh, as, as we looked at the community facilities in downtown, there were a couple of sections that stuck out the public spaces, just making sure that the public spaces that exist now um, continue to exist in the future and really should serve as examples of what types of um, public spaces should be included. In the urban design section, we provide some more specific guidance on locations for where public spaces would be appropriate, what types of public spaces would be appropriate. Also in community facilities, we talked about um, the issues of, of homelessness in the downtown. Um, having worked with many of the groups or many groups and service providers in the downtown, uh, we provided a few strategies that we've seen success in, in other communities. Uh, one of those were the solidarity lockers, you know, giving people places to store um, their belongings in a, in a safer environment. Um, there's an each for all. So uh, a, a program where downtown merchants, uh, merchants or downtown businesses could provide um, different services or, you know, um, different, uh, you know, if they wanted to use the phone or the restroom or whatever it may be, um, there's a sticker program that you can apply on your front window just so people know what that space um, would accommodate. And then also a downtown streets team, um, a group of volunteers that could, uh, you know, work with those that are in need, maybe identifying where they could go for, for services um, and just interacting with anybody in the downtown and making sure that there's a, a safe environment for them. Uh, the farmer's market was, was certainly something that we heard throughout the, the planning process. Um, a permanent outdoor event space was something that many people had identified as a desire to see. Uh, there's a couple of different locations that the plan recommends. Um, one in particular is a permanent outdoor space that could be located in the existing downtown park, uh, Constant Park. And that could have a, a pavilion structure or a built structure, something that could tie into the larger open space. And then just building off of that, you know, strengthening the public events. The downtown events in, in Lawrence are fantastic. So making sure that that continues in the future. Um, and then making sure that you're leveraging your access to the, to the river. Um, you know, many people identified, you have this beautiful asset that's running between, you know, North Lawrence and, and uh, the, the downtown Lawrence area. And just being able to access it, get down to it is a real challenge. So identifying some locations for how you would access that space um, and what types of, of activities would be appropriate or possible uh, was, was something that we had provided some recommendations for. The urban design and street life chapter, we talked about the built form. So what the actual envelope of a building's um, 
uh, build form should look like. So that could be the heights, the scale. Um, we also provided a, uh, a graphic that illustrated sort of like the build form or the building height uh, recommendations. So, you know, not having these towering buildings along Mass Street and using the uh, the eastern side of Vermont and the western side of New Hampshire for potential locations for height, but then making sure that you're stepping down as you transition into the neighborhoods, both to the east and the west. Um, again, that's something that we heard throughout the planning process during the visioning workshop, the community workshops, is making sure that the plan doesn't um, include very tall buildings that are towering over these residential areas. We want to see a transition, um, you know, from Mass Street, or I'm sorry, from New Hampshire and Vermont into these areas. Um, looking at improvements in the streetscape. So we, we identified and assessed the current streetscape makeup and provided some massing and key hierarchy recommendations that should occur for each one of the um, streetscape hierarchies that we identified. So looking at Massachusetts, looking at New Hampshire and Vermont, um, looking at the, the numbered streets, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th, and then even the downtown approaches. So as you're coming into the downtown, that streetscape um, should have a different look and a different feel and transition you from the surrounding neighborhoods or surrounding areas into the downtown um, using similar materials or styles, and then making sure that the neighborhood transitions uh, are considered as well as the alley and service streets. Um, those are those are assets that are both for service um, for sure and should not uh, be offset, but making sure that, you know, knowing how many people are walking or moving through those spaces, either because of the parking lot or rear entrances to buildings, that those are, are safe and are considered um, when improvements are online. We provided some recommendations for public art, uh, where those locations in general could occur. Um, public art can, can happen in many different ways. It can happen in the public right of way. It can happen along the sidewalk. Um, it could be something as simple as a graphic or something as, as big or as bold as using uh, a blank facade of the side of a building. So we show some of those public art installations or opportunities. Um, even even tapping into you know doing something uh, very bold or something very uh, exciting with the AT&T Tower, um, it has such a height and such a, a kind of a proximity to the downtown that you could see that being something very cool, very different. Um, gathering spaces were important pre-COVID. Um, gathering spaces have become increasingly more important. I think we've all realized how important it is to have outdoor spaces, outdoor dining, um, public spaces, pocket parks and, and plazas. And even, even before COVID, we were already starting to talk about some of these uh, potential recommendations, but, but coming out of or, you know, responding to some of the impacts that we've all faced over the last 15 months. We know that this is a very important topic to Lawrence residents and, and downtown business owners and making sure that there are spaces where their businesses can operate in an outdoor safe environment. Um, we also wanted to capitalize on some of the opportunities such as parklets. Uh, parklets are a great place to sit and relax and, and um, you know, utilizing some of the, the hardscape space that's already in downtown. So using that diagonal parking along Mass Street is fantastic. Um, and then also we looked at the cut-throughs and different ways to reimagine the cut-throughs between buildings um, and the, the parking lots or the other uses that are adjacent to Mass Street. And then the last chapter is implementation. 
Um, and implementation is a, is a very significant chapter to this plan. I mean, not that all the other previous chapters aren't important, but being able to implement this plan, being able to realize the recommendations and the policies in here, it's a 20-year plan. Some things can be done sooner rather than later, um, but some of these could take you know all of 20 years to, to ever realize. So the implementation chapter provides some specific guidance about continuing the public communication, making sure that the uh, residents and business owners are a part of this planning process moving forward. Um, making sure that there's a, a daily use of this document, but also what that regular review and update process would look like. Um, you know, we feel like we've added a lot of different concepts or a lot of different ideas that the city should explore. Certainly in the next couple of years, um, you know, a fantastic idea could come up and it might require uh, the city um, and its residents to update this plan. There are going to be partnerships and resource prioritization. We provided some uh, funding sources that the city should consider. And then the, the last component that once we've gone through this, this review process will continue and, and finalize is the action matrix. The action matrix takes the plan's policies and recommendations and synthesizes them into very specific action items. Um, it becomes a checklist of this plan. And at this point, we've not created that. We want to make sure that the recommendations are true to what the community wants to see. And then once we feel we have the, the draft plan in the position that needs to be, that action matrix will be prepared. As part of that, we'll prepare what the key, if it's a key action or policy, um, you know, a general time estimate on what that could take, you know, if it's short or mid or long term, and then identify some of the partners that will play a key role in helping realize that. Um, so next steps, and, and I mentioned this briefly at the beginning of the presentation, uh, but the draft plan review meetings, I mean, we're in the first one. The draft plan was made available uh, at the end of April. Um, tonight, we're here hosting a community open house to, to receive everybody's feedback. Uh, since the plan was um, published on the project website, we've already received comments from the website. We've received comments uh, on a public survey, which is that link that uh, we can send inside this chat since I'm not going to share my screen again. Um, and what we'll do is all of those comments that we received and all the comments that we're going to receive tonight, um, we're going to take those um, compile them into a list and we're going to review similar to what we just did tonight with the steering committee, um, but also go through any of the comments that we received uh, to get their direction, to get their feedback on how we move forward. And then a very similar process uh, when we meet with the city commission to do a presentation much like this on June 1st, um, we'll be compiling all of the comments received from the steering committee, as well as presenting what we, what we talk about now. Um, and that way everybody's, it's sort of an iterative process and everybody gets an opportunity to hear what's been said and, and give us the feedback that we need. So as I said, I'll, I'll post this in the chat, these two ways that you can participate. Please feel free, if you haven't already, uh, send us your uh, comments in the Zoom chat and we can start to respond to those. Uh, and then I will post inside of here the two links or two ways that you can participate or send us feedback. So with that, I'll hand it back over to you, Amy. So folks, first of all, I'm going to apologize. It seems like we've got a few individuals that are just intent on disrupting this meeting, but we're going to keep doing our best to keep getting through it. What I can tell you is you missed out on a really good presentation from the consultant, the visual part. I've seen it. We will go ahead and get that from the consultant and we will post that to the website after this meeting so that you can all still take a look at that. And remember, there's still plenty of ways to comment. With that, we're gonna keep trying to trudge on um, as best we can um, while we also try to manage those individuals that are being disruptive. Um, at this point, 
I'm gonna open up the floor to any questions and comments. Um, feel free to ask the consultants any questions you have. If you just have some general comments, we'll make sure that we get those recorded and the consultant will hear them. Um, I'm gonna ask at this point, if you do wish to speak, please use the raise your hand feature and we will go ahead and start calling on people. Did we? There's Chris Tilden. Chris Tilden, go ahead and unmute. If you can try and keep your comments to three minutes, that would be great. Great. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I really appreciate all the work that's been put into this so far. Um, I have to admit, I haven't read through the document in its entirety, uh, but I really appreciate a lot of the work that's been done and a lot of specific recommendations about um, opportunities and sites. I guess I, I wanted to speak a little bit to some of the um, issues around the vision. Um, one, I, I think we need to avoid use of jargon like zoning codes and mixed use development. Some of us, probably most of us on the call know what that is, but I'm not sure everyone will will exactly understand, you know, even even what that what that means. Um, there are numerous references to the pedestrian and bicycle uh, environment, which I think is important. I do think it's important to note that I, in recent years, I think there's been kind of some negativity towards um, bike lanes because most of the bike lanes in our community are nothing more than a white stripe of paint, uh, which was a good first step. But I think we're really moving towards more protected infrastructure, uh, particularly on really high traffic uh, roadways like downtown. So I think the vision probably needs to speak to that to some degree. Um, I noted in the visual preference survey, the first couple of images are constant park and other green space. Uh, I think what's really unique about our community is if you, if you look at downtown, it is bordered by the river and the riparian corridor on the north, uh, Watson Park and the aquatic center uh, and other green space to the west, uh, South Park to the to the to the south, um, so I think, uh, and I love the idea of parklets and how to create connectivity among the the green space that really has a really significant uh, presence in our in our community. I think that's uh, I think it'd be really important to to note that may, maybe even more strongly in the vision statement. Um, there, there's a couple of references to things like, um, you know, researching ways to activate the river. Um, if this is a 20-year vision, I hope we're at the point where we've like, base where we've got there. I would um, like to see kind of a vision of how we envision we're going to create that access to the river. And I think when we talk about the river, so far, the most of the references are are recreational, but I think. If you look at Lawrence, the cultural, uh, our historic heritage, a lot of that is tied into the, the river and downtown. And so emphasizing even more the, the cultural um, and historic you know, aspects to, to downtown, I think is really, 
is really crucial going forward. I'll, I'll leave it there. Thanks for the opportunity. Emily Lyson is the next one. You can go ahead and unmute. Thank you. Um, so I'm the Director of Development for the Lawrence Farmers Market, and we appreciate being included in this so much. We're so excited to be included in the downtown master plan and have you know, forward movement for us to move into a permanent location. Um, one question some of us have had is if you're going to look at Constant Park as a permanent location site, where would parking be located for that? There's no parking access at all, or like how would we mitigate people crossing the street and dealing with that kind of stuff? I'd also love to have the consultant maybe explore either ver ver verbally or visually, because we're not gonna be able to do visually probably right now, um, some of the other sites that were also included in the downtown master plan for the permanent location for the market. Um, Constant Park is a beautiful location. It just, there's no parking at all and people need to be able to park and come in and out. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Mike Delaney, go ahead and unmute. Thanks. Um, I'm, um, I'm speaking as a representative tonight um, from the uh, Lawrence Preservation Alliance. And I, uh, we, we've uh, sent a letter, I drafted a letter and, and sent it on behalf of the board um, earlier in the week to y'all. I've got a, um, a concern I want to express, uh, but before I do that, I, I want to indicate that, that uh, many of the folks um, uh, in the Alliance spent a fair amount of time going through the plan. And uh, the, the general conclusion is there's lots to like in the plan. And we've identified some of the things in the, uh, in the letter that we submitted, but we do have one uh, concern that I, that I want to raise tonight. And that is the draft plans um, conclusory assertion that the city's historic preservation ordinance has stymied desirable development and the draft specific um, prescriptions for remedying the supposed shortcomings. Um, the, the, the Alliance would be prepared to debate um, the impact that the existing preservation ordinance has had on desirable development. But we can point out um, a, a whole range of contemporary projects that have gone up since the historic uh, preservation um, or ordinance has been in effect. The library, the arts center, a couple of parking garages, most of the west side of the 600 block of, of Mass, the trainer building, the 901 New Hampshire building, and all of the high-rise buildings along the east side of New Hampshire. And, and saying that, it, it may be that the, that the ordinance, I, we wouldn't argue that the ordinance can't benefit from revisions that make its application clearer and more predictable, but the long-range plan, we don't think, is the appropriate vehicle for doing that. Um, there's a delicate balance that needs to be worked out as the as the plan the draft plan notes between the importance of preserving the sort of historic character of downtown and achieving these development goals, and and we think that that balancing process is already underway with the city's effort to revise the the um, preservation ordinance. Um, that that uh, uh, undertaking has been underway for some period of time. 
the appropriate forum for negotiating that balance between uh, development, uh, promoting development and, and, and preserving the historic aspects of the community. That's the process where this ought to be uh, worked out. And, and we think that the plan ought to drop its specific prescriptions with respect to changes to, to the ordinance uh, and, and instead urge the city to bring that process of revising the historic preservation ordinance to a completion, get uh, the staff's changes um, uh, uh, ready and submitted, uh, uh, offer them for public comment and input, and then uh, present them to the, uh, to the city commission for debate and for its ultimate um, uh, its ultimate decision on this. And we really think that, that that prescriptive language that's on page 49 of the plan ought to be stricken in, in, and instead replaced with those three, uh, with those three uh, uh, statements. In any event, um, uh, we're, we, we think there's great work on this and we hope to continue to be able to be a part of the, uh, of the process as it moves forward. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. I am not seeing anybody else raising their hands. Oh, Tom Harper. You want to unmute yourself. Um. Hello there. My name is Tom Harper. Good evening. Thank you for granting me the opportunity to speak. We are a passionate community and perhaps no issue creates more passion than our downtown. I appreciate your draft assessment and many of your recommendations. One of your guiding principles reads, the architecture and history throughout downtown are a crucial part of its identity. Protecting and enhancing these elements is critical to the future of downtown Lawrence. The challenge is preserving them while still incorporating new infill development to ensure downtown's long-term viability. To be successful, these forces must be considered by encouraging mixed-use development, affordable housing options, and contemporary design in appropriate areas. I fully agree with this guiding principle. Good job, Nick. However, recommendations in sections downtown urban conservation overlay district and historic preservation ordinance seem to undermine this guiding principle. In the historic preservation ordinance, you state by requiring buildings downtown that do not have historic significance or integrity to comply with the requirements of the historic preservation ordinance, the city may be stymieing reinvestment. In the downtown urban conservation overlay district section, you state the guidelines are both prescriptive and subjective, which can make compliance difficult, confusing, and time consuming and can limit the quality and creativity of infill development. To ensure that downtown Lawrence continues to evolve and progress while also pre preserving its past, it is recommended the city update its downtown design guidelines. Over the years, there have been threats to our downtown in the guise of development and progress based on short-sighted agendas of property owners developers, and others. The most recent being Core Space's hub proposal 
on the corner of 11th and Mass. The draft appears to reference this failed infill development and infers the developer was stymied and Lawrence lost out on an opportunity. Core Spaces wanted to build a huge apartment for students that had no affordable housing component. Core Spaces could have built their project, but would not take into account the environs of several historic properties or reduce the scale and mass of their building. Numerous meetings were held with Historic Resource Commission and Architectural Review Committee, but they chose not to sufficiently change their plan to meet clearly identified expectations. Was this project really stymied? I would argue that the developer who was counseled and given numerous opportunities to alter their design with input from the ARC and HRC chose not to. Thank goodness our ordinances and guidelines and people who are responsible for enforcing them stood up to the task, including our city commissioners. Our historic preservation guidelines and downtown overlay district have been carefully written and are present to preserve the historic nature of our downtown. The HRC provides recommendations for developers to help them stay in the lane where their goals can be met while protecting and respecting the historic nature of our downtown. Would it be easier for developers to build if the HRC's role was minimized? Of course, and the trade-off would endanger the long-term viability of our historic downtown. HRC members have not been involved or interviewed. In fact, this meeting was scheduled at the same time the HRC is meeting. Tonight, the community has received the draft. If I understand the next step, it will be presented to the city commission on June 1st. The final phase of this process has been rushed, giving the community little time to consider and offer suggestions. I suggest that you delay presenting the draft plan to the city commission. The sections of the draft that relate to historic presentation should be revised. I encourage you to re-engage the steering committee conduct meetings with members of the HRC, the Lawrence Preservation Alliance, and other members of the community who can articulate the value of protecting historic properties, the value of our current codes, plans, guidelines, and ordinances as they relate to the historic preservation and infill development. Again, thank you for being open to feedback about the draft and your interest in our historic downtown. I look forward to reviewing a revised draft. Thank you for your comments, Tom. Uh, Tyler Lindquist, uh, I believe you are next. Thank you. Um, on behalf of the Douglas County, or uh, my name is Tyler Lindquist. I'm the chair of the Douglas County Food Policy Council. And on behalf of the council, I want to thank the consultants, the city, and all those who gave feedback on the importance of having the downtown um, farmer's market location become permanent. And we want to show our appreciation uh, for that input. And we look forward to this project moving forward um, sooner than later. So I just want to, again, thank everyone for uh, being on this call and providing that support. Anyone else? Yeah. 
I'm not seeing anybody else, so I'm going to redirect my focus to asking a couple questions that I see hello, coming. Hello, hello. I can't find the thing. I've unmuted. Patricia, un Patricia, did you have some comments that you'd like to yes, ask? Yes, I did, but I can't find the button to push for getting in line to share. Okay, well, you can go ahead right now. Thank you. I was not prepared to have a three-minute limit. I'm going to do my best, okay? I'm trying to say the things that were said. Uh, let's see. Can you hear me? Can you hear me all right? Yes, yes well, I can hear you. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Uh, just quickly, I'm just going to ask questions, and then you can do whatever you need to do. Uh, mentioned a new grocery as though we're an established thing. I'd like to know more. Uh, I mentioned that to the east of New Hampshire is residential. Uh, so when we're talking about the three sides of downtown, we didn't hit the east side. Okay. Uh, I want to know why they didn't prepare a smaller summary of the report for circulation earlier. I'd like to know, was Doug Compton ever given tax breaks as well as zoning variances? for his properties on New Hampshire Street that are shown in your photos. Um, this is brought up because of uh, statements that were made about needing market value property taxes for buildings downtown. So um, that's, uh, let's see. Uh, why does, doesn't the project address the real and current needs for affordable housing that is safe and meets the code when the city inspects virtually none of the housing yearly and tenants have no recourse, no resources for legal assistance regarding housing, evictions, et cetera. Uh, why is there such a rush to approve this plan now following a holiday weekend uh, with only one pub public meeting? Um, I'm new to Zoom. It's very awkward. It took enormous amounts of time and then what I get on the screen isn't even what I was expecting. So it's pretty confusing. I certainly am in no position to leave comments on Zoom chat. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you aware of the flooding that's going on today in the city and the traffic uh, signals out and impassable roads, uh, accidents, and power, power line down? And are you aware that North Lawrence uh, routinely uh, is cut off from downtown when there's heavy flooding. I'm mentioning issues that I think impact, you know, we can't just look at things completely out of context. Uh, I'd like to know about, uh, we very much value, that is many of us, value our downtown post office for personal and business use. Its space is crowded and includes post office boxes, are there plans to request that the post office relocate? And if so, by whom? This seems to be unclear. We'd like to know the answer to this um, because it sounds like people, as though people are asking about this, people somewhere in this planning process or in the city or somewhere is asking about that. I'm sure people would love to get their hands on that plot of land, but uh, asking you to be more specific about that, please. And. Uh, what are your plans for the needed parking for the district court area at 11th in New Hampshire? And this is right near that uh, place where um, the Tom Harper was talking about. Uh, that was actually, I think, going to not give us, they, they were going to take some of the existing parking for their building or something. Tom would know. 
but uh, it's the same area there, 11th in New Hampshire. Uh, and who is in favor of the high density downtown? Is, it, is that coming from homeowners associations? Is that coming from a group or uh, just who? Like as a, as a bus rider, I'd like to mention also here, because again, this meeting I couldn't attend in person because no bus, we don't have buses uh, that run in the nighttime that would bring me home. Uh, I'd like to inquire about where the facility, where the place is. There was mentioned about something about a place where uh, be a bus transfer location. Um, and I'd like to also encourage that buses be incorporated into, they're not horrible. Um, you know, you can go to lots of cities and see them go slamming right through the neighborhoods, you know. Uh, so I'd really like to hear a lot about that. Uh, um, also, there was something about the, uh, oof. This is by no means everything. I just thought that. And what's with the AT&T tower? Are they giving us some special access now? Is that not in use anymore? I thought there was some problem with height restrictions about the other buildings around the tower. So I'd just like to know about the AT&T tower. Surely like to know more things than this, but uh, I just want to know if I make comments later, which uh, Amy had told me today that I, I could, are these not going to be incorporated then into your plan? It got a little foggy to me there about what we, the wrap up about what was going to happen with the comments and so forth that were coming in now it sounded like maybe the comments that you weren't getting tonight weren't going to get into your package and even though my comments would be su submitted to the city uh, commission at a later date you know before their meeting or hopefully to the steering committee um, that they wouldn't be the same as coming from the group here um, I don't know if that's true or not but I'm disappointed. I spent a lot of time getting ready for this meeting and trying to work things out, you know, so I could participate. And it's, I don't understand what it is that I say, are you saying that people are hacking into the meeting and disrupting it that way? Hello? Yes, we did, Patricia, we did have some unfortunate um, individuals who were trying to disrupt the meeting. Um, We've got all of your comments and they've all been recorded. Um, and what will happen after tonight is that after tonight, there will be a steering committee next steering committee meeting next week. At that committee meeting next week, we will also present them a summary of the comments that we've heard to date from the public through this meeting, through the survey on the website, and also anything that you wanna email me and everything that's in the chat as well. And then that'll go to the steering committee um, and they will be able to see all of those comments and then direct um, as appropriate. So Patricia, you're over your three minutes. So can you wrap yes. it up? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly tried. Nobody told me three minutes is Despite the fact I talked to multiple people about this today, the three minutes wasn't said or any of the other kind of stuff until I got online today. And I was on early and for some reason didn't get uh, picked up until. Uh, so refresh me, please, about when that steering committee meeting is. It is next Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m., May 27th. Okay, well, I'll try and send you some comments then. Thank you, Patricia. We're going to move on. We've actually got a little bit of a lengthy list on now. Um, Fally Afani? Um, That's correct. Thank yes. you. Go ahead. Your turn. 
Okay. Um, my name is Fali Afani and I'm the editor of iHeart Local Music. I've spent the last well, more than a decade covering live music and music events and musical acts. And um, I noticed that it was, of, of you know, of all the venues that the replay was singled out and specifically named in the downtown master plan. Um, and from my understanding, it's because it is one story and a lot, and also with Red Lion, which is right next door, is also one story. And um, the plan kind of looks at the buildings as being two or three stories. Um, it wasn't very clear what wasn't what that entailed in the master plan. You know, it kind of singled out the venue, but didn't say what the plans were with redevelopment. Um, and it's it's pretty pertinent that that remains. Uh, it's a cultural institution in Lawrence. It's very it's pretty vital to the live music landscape here. A lot of bands and musical acts that make it big start out at replay, um, you know, like Radkey is huge now and they, their first show is at replay and Q was discovered at an open mic and he's about to take off and get really big. Um, and I'm not sure why that venue was singled out, you know, um, as, as far as naming one story buildings and what the plans were for that. And uh, it, it feels a little uneasy because the replay's kind of been singled out a lot. Uh, they've worked very hard during COVID, as far as I understand, maybe possibly the only bar doing temperature checks at the door. They were very, um, they've been keeping it very crucial and important, the safety first. And it's one of the few places where a lot of musicians feel really happy and comfortable playing. So I'm, I'm kind of needing to understand why that venue specifically was called out and um, what in store the plants are. And I just spent, I just graduated with my master's degree and I spent all of my research um, studying the impact live music has on Lawrence and was able to chart tax revenue increasing whenever there were highly attended shows in town, which means that live music in Lawrence directly drives up uh, tax revenue in Lawrence and brings in money for the community. And so it's pretty vital to kind of keep that preserved and not just preserved, but like, uh, you know, put more stock into the live music landscape because we're kind of this live music mecca and the replay is a huge part of that. I don't know if I went over my three minutes or not, but that's where I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, getting a lot of, hearing a lot of confusion over that part, especially because it was directly named in the draft. So thank you, Fally, for your comments. I'm actually gonna have Nick respond because we're also seeing a lot of comments in the chat and also by email that there's a little bit of confusion on those catalyst sites that were identified. And maybe Nick can just give a better explanation of what that means. It, it is, I'll let Nick explain. Sure. Um, Fali, th thanks for the comment. That was, that was great. And I guess in response to what you're saying, it wasn't that that use in particular was, was, I guess, being zeroed in on. It was more about its location and prominence on the intersection. I mean, that it's holding a corner. There's an opportunity there at, um, at that corner to have a more prominent building. Um, but again, this is, it's just being identified as an opportunity site. So by no means are we saying that it must be redeveloped tomorrow. It's just that if that use were to change or if that use had the opportunity to change, th this is what that building should be redeveloped as. And I, and I think that's really important with all of these opportunity sites. Um, really any parcel can redevelop uh, by right in, in the downtown anywhere. Um, so this is just identifying specific parcels, either through the visioning exercise, these were parcels that were identified, or through the online mapping tool, um, or residents or business owners identified a potential 
Um, and then we're just providing if this area was to, or if this parcel was to redevelop, um, you know, reflecting on what the functional sub area and the uses here are, are being proposed, this is what that should redevelop as. So by no means are we telling the city to go out tomorrow, acquire that parcel and, and to build those buildings. That's not what the city's objective is. That's not really the intent of this plan either. Um, Okay. Thanks, Nick, for that clarification. Hopefully that helps. That also applies to the post office comments that I've also been seeing. Um, next in line is Stan Hernley, if you want to go ahead and unmute yourself. Sure, thanks. Um, hi, Nick. Hi, Jackie. I'm Stan Hernley. I'm an architect here in town, um, and I was on the Historic Resources Commission for six years. Um, so there are two things that really I have concerns about with the draft of the master plan is the, uh, the first is that the HRC and the environs review, it's insinuated that uh, those have stymied downtown development. Um, and the second is that existing incentives for rehabilitation of historic facades and buildings are ignored. And so I'm going to detail this a little bit more. So um, first, the um, HRC reviews projects um, that are in the environs of uh, locally listed historic properties. And the review of those are the lowest level of scrutiny. The, the criteria basically is, does this project damage or destroy the nearby historic properties? And it's a really low bar to, to get over. Um, and the only project that I'm aware of in the downtown area uh, that hasn't uh, crossed that bar is the 11th and Mass Hub project. Uh, and it's a project where the developers chose not to follow the design, down, the downtown design guidelines. And in, on page 40 in the draft, uh, it's identified as a catalyst redevelopment site. And what's depicted on those pages uh, is a development that's less, a lot less dense than that what was proposed by the developer. And it's a project that most likely would have been approved by the Historic Resources Commission. And in fact, it's what we were pushing the developer towards uh, um, proposing with their development, but they didn't go towards that. Um, so really the only reason they were stymied was because they didn't comply with the downtown design guidelines. Um, so on the same note, many large projects have been approved downtown. Um, and most of those have been built, uh, especially along New Hampshire Street, but some of them haven't been built. Um, they've been approved by the HRC, but other outside factors have caused them not to be built, like at uh, 7th and New Hampshire. Um, that project was very near approval by the HRC, but it lost the grocery store as an anchor tenant. And so that project sort of died on the vine and it had nothing to do with the HRC because we were going to approve it. I was going to vote to approve it. Um, so my second um, uh, issue has to do with the facade enhancement program. There's nothing wrong with a facade enhancement program, 
but there's already a historic preservation tax credit program that can provide 45% in tax uh, credits for projects in the downtown area uh, that want to rebuild their historic storefront or take off the slip cover that's on, on the front of their building. Um, and, you know, a program that the city can afford isn't going to be anywhere close to a 45% credit uh, as what's already available. Um, so there are some buildings that are pointed out uh, in, the, in the draft that might be able to go through this program that you've recommended. Uh, Weavers is one of those and uh, not more than 10 years ago, they redid their stucco facade uh, and they could have redone their facade to uh, rebuild the historic uh, fronts on the buildings and earn the 45% tax credit. They're not currently listed, but they could have been, uh, they could have become a contributing building to the historic district and gotten those 45% tax credits, but they didn't do that. And it's either because they didn't know about it or they didn't want to do it. So the tax credit program uh, really has a proven track record downtown. Uh, over the past 20 years, uh, there have been 54 projects that have earned rehabilitation tax credits uh, at a value of $7.31 million. Uh, and there are another currently 22 projects going through the tax credit program. Uh, and the construction value of those is about $7.8 million. And those will earn $2.4 million in tax credits. So there, it, it's, it's a really large incentive that's already in place. Um, and I think that that would be something that uh, should really be emphasized in the master plan as an existing program that should be utilized for not just facade rehabilitation, but entire building rehabilitation. Um, in particular, one thing I wanted to point out on page 45, uh, the north side of the Masonic Temple is identified for improvement. Um, the Masonic Temple is identified as a key contributing structure to the downtown, downtown historic district. And it, we really have to be careful with that facade because any improvements need to meet the standards of rehabilitation uh, from the Secretary of Interior. Um, and if it doesn't meet those standards, it's not going to be approved by the Historic Resources Commission. It's not going to meet the design guideline and it's going to be eligible for a 45% tax credit. So to wrap it up, so the, the master plan, I, you know, you guys have done a great job. Um, there are a lot of strong points about it, but a lot of the information about historic preservation uh, just aren't well thought out, or you haven't talked with people who work in those fields uh, in enough depth to understand what kind of impact they have on the community. And it's a really deep impact and, and uh, really helps with uh, our existing historic structures. So thanks a lot. Thank you for your comments, Stan. Paul DeGeorge, you are next. Hi there, uh, Paul DeGeorge. Uh, my wife and I own Wonderfair downtown, and I'm also a musician, so I'm gonna speak, speak from both of those capacities tonight. Um, I agree with 
most everyone who talked that there's a lot to love in this plan. Um, I'll just comment on some of my favorite things and a couple places where I think uh, things have gone a little sideways. Uh, but first up, love the vacancy tax idea as a way to um, potentially lower rates downtown, fill some of those vacant storefronts. I think that's particularly uh, imperative if we're looking to do any additional uh, commercial property building a new development. Um, uh, I would say that the there's a $400 fine that's referenced in the plan, and that seems pretty low to me. Um, uh, thinking about the opportunity costs to the city of these vacant properties, not just to all the other retailers and businesses downtown, but just to the city in general in terms of um, lost revenue on an unrented property, you know, like a uh, a business that brings in a million dollars a year would contribute over $15,000 in tax revenue to the city through sales tax. Um, that's just 1.55% uh, that goes to the city of the 9.3% sales tax downtown. Um, don't mean to get all numbery on you, but that's the facts there. Um, so I think that could be a lot higher. Let's get those properties filled. Um, I love the idea of activating the riverfront. Um, big supporter of that, particularly with public art components. Um, I know that got mentioned elsewhere, but I think the riverfront is potentially a great place to be thinking about that, um, especially if we were to consider something that's really ambitious, like um, the Papa John Sculpture Park in Des Moines, which is like a key um, feature of their downtown there. Um, uh, I love the idea of this outdoor um, concert venue, not just as a, a musician myself, but also as somebody who's just actively involved in, um, you know, being a part of this local music scene, thinking about um, spaces in that regard. Um, and uh, last, I wanna real quickly touch on the replay. Uh, thanks to Fally for um, bringing that up. But I think that it's really wrongheaded to suggest that the replay is uh, a sort of uh, opportunity for redevelopment. It's a really key, important part of our cultural infrastructure. Um, the, the reason people love the replay is in part based on its existing layout as a single story design um, with an outdoor patio, um, which is particularly important right now coming out of, um, or, you know, uh, still existing within COVID. Um, having the outdoor patio allows the replay to host safe shows outdoors. It's completely unique. It's sort of like a little bit of the flavor of Austin, Texas here in Lawrence, where we can have these outdoor shows. Um, and it's right there. I'd say it's an essential part of uh, the downtown experience. And if the plan goes, the plan actually states that we should really be looking at um, recruiting and, and thinking more along the lines of experiential businesses and developing those, well, the replay sort of defines what a great experiential business looks like in, in downtown. And um, I just can't get on board with anything that jeopardizes that. It's an institution and um, it should be thought of more as a cultural asset than a redevelopment opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Barry Shalinsky, you are next. Okay, thank you. Um, I want to uh, first agree with the people who uh, are suggesting that we slow down a little bit. Um, 
I'm the president of a neighborhood association. We became aware of um, the contents of this two days ago. Um, our next neighborhood meeting isn't until the middle of June. So there is no way that we really are gonna be able to um, get together, study it, uh, comment and have a position before June 2nd if we don't meet till June 14th. And uh, East Lawrence is right on the border of downtown. So I would hope that our opinion as an association would be important to the decision makers. So I would reiterate uh, the calls that people have made to slow down the process and let's make sure everyone has an opportunity to really study this and make some substantive comments. Um, from the neighborhood perspective and what little comment I have heard from people, I can say that many of our residents uh, consider a post office downtown to be a very, very important service amenity uh, that we are not interested in losing. Uh, some of us have post office boxes. Uh, a lot of people still do use snail mail uh, for packages and letters. And it's very convenient to have a location downtown that we can access as opposed to having to drive out to 31st Street. Um, for many, many, many years, um, we have uh, wanted to have a downtown grocery store. Uh, we are pleased that the plan makes mention of that. Um, I would like to have the op either an answer or the opportunity to read more to um, find out what specific locations and what type of um, facility is envisioned for that. Uh, I like that the plan mentions having appropriate transitions between downtown and the uh, surrounding neighborhoods. Um, I think a lot of our residents on Rhode Island Street wish that that had been in place um, a few years ago prior to some of what has been built already on New Hampshire, but at least uh, I'm glad that that's mentioned now. Uh, we like the idea of um, riverfront access. Um, and, uh, you know, a pedestrian bridge between North Lawrence and downtown would be awesome, but probably not something that is um, feasible from a cost standpoint. And it's a damn shame because we had the perfect structure that would have served that purpose, but the city was intent on tearing it down to build that monstrous double span that we have now that we're stuck with. And I'm just not sure how that realistically can be addressed. Leaving the old bridge would have been great and building a new one right next to it, but that's not what we chose to do. 
Um, building the Riverfront Mall was another mistake. You know, we make a lot of mistakes and um, I hope that uh, we can emphasize in the future, preserving a lot of what we have so that we don't make more mistakes. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Uh, Cindy. I'm gonna, Jennifer said that she's gonna have to step out, but if you're still on Jennifer and you wanted to talk right now, I'd give you the opportunity. Jennifer McKnight. You're on mute, Jennifer. I'm trying. Okay, there we go. Yes, thank you, thank you. I uh, I appreciate you uh, spending the time to do this and doing all of the research. I think a lot of what I'm understanding um, about the um, about the development, I think, supports a lot of things that make downtown Lawrence very special. Um, for those who don't know me, I. Uh, opened Arizona Trading Company in 1991, which means we turned 30 this year, which is amazing. And um, I feel very lucky to be among um, some of the more stalwart retail places in town, like Sunflower and um, Wonder Fair and Waxman and The Raven. And I, uh, I have a real passion for downtown retail. I think that it's the anchor that drives everything else. I think, um, you know, when a downtown is first developed, uh, what what what's needed first is retail, um, goods and services, and I feel like everything else kind of <clears throat> springs from that. And so I have a real passion, and I see the importance of of downtown retail and. Um, I want to hear more from the city about what's, uh, what the city and what this plan does to address the problems that retail is having. Um, because the city was very quick to address the problems um, that restaurants were having um, in the beginning of COVID. Um, there were a lot of concessions that happened that kind of got the ball rolling with the parklets and, um, and the parking restructuring. Um, which certainly is needed. Um, you know, downtown really needed to, to help its restaurants and just survive uh, what's been happening. And, um, but now that that's kind of waning, retail goes back to the exact same problems that we were having before with having to compete with the internet every single day um, with the dwindling uh, traffic downtown during COVID has certainly been hurtful to retail. And, um, and with the parklets, um, that's become a little bit problematic. And I think that there's a lot that the city could do to address um, limitation on the parklets, um, meaning, you know, a certain number per block or a certain number of parking spaces being taken up. Because I'm in the 700 block and um, we have many great restaurants on our block, uh, which is great, um, but that also means that our, the parking on our block has dwindled quite a bit. And there's not been much um, being said about limitation of that. And what, well, while 
what I see from the restaurants that are on our block is wonderful. They're, they look great. I think it, it brings a certain sort of modern, modernity to our downtown, which I think is great. But um, they're mostly not open during the daytime for lunch. And so it just creates kind of a dead spot on our block. Um, they're not usable when it's raining snowing, too hot, too cold. And so, you know, just at those times when the close parking would be of attractiveness to retail customers is right when the parklets aren't even, aren't, aren't even being used by the restaurants. And so I'd love to see how the city is going to support retail um, and what research has been done about um, you know, what other cities are doing to address the retail problem, because um, retail needs to stay downtown. We need to support our local retailers. And I feel like there's uh, not been much emphasis placed on the importance of retail downtown and what, what an anchor it is. And I, I'd love to see the city come out and support and do some research as to what sort of tax incentives, what sort of uh, you know, I don't know, uh, rent deferment kind of situations with landlords or, you know, something that the city could do um, to attract more retail downtown, especially more local retail, especially more, um, more retail being, you know, opened by people of color and uh, women. And I feel like there's a lot that the city could do to speak up uh, in support of retail and preservation of the retail that's already downtown. I think there's a lot more uh, retailers at risk right now of closing than everybody realizes. And it can be very, you know, downtown would just be decimated if it lost its retail. So I'd love to see the city uh, respond to that and see what the, uh, what the plan is for that specifically. Thank you for your comments, Jennifer. Um, Next, we've got Cindy Maud. Okay. Um, hi, thank you. I'm Cindy Maud, and I used to own a business downtown. However, I am retired, but I'm still very passionate and interested about the future of downtown uh, because I think it is um, the, the key selling point of Lawrence. And I, I just hope that we do everything that we can to put together a long-term plan and really stick to it and, and make sure that downtown Lawrence remains special and viable. So I have a couple questions though. Um, you mentioned when you were talking about the plan at the beginning that you didn't include a parking plan uh, in this, but I'm assuming you were made aware of the parking plan that was done for the city about four or five years ago. So that's a question. Yes. Okay. So yes. you, okay. So you're aware of that plan and you, and obviously you know how important parking in downtown Lawrence is because even though, you know, in some communities, people might walk several blocks um, to get to a restaurant or a retail establishment. For some reason, it's a little bit more difficult in Lawrence. So, my question is, I didn't see any kind of discussion about um, instead of 
turning the city-owned surface lots into redevelopment, was there any consideration given to, to turning one or two of the city-owned surface lots into a several-story parking garage so that we could think about bigger things? Like a lot of people are writing on the chat about making Massachusetts Street um, a pedestrian and bike and experience. I mean, you're talking about having downtown Lawrence and retail be an experience. And there's so many communities that have made such a great experience about their main street being uh, closed off to traffic, but allowing the downtown restaurants to have you know outdoor seating, allowing it to be open for music, allowing there to you know possibly be an ice skating rink or you know the farmers market in part of it. I don't know. I, I didn't see anything like that. So I I just wondered about did you consider making city-owned surface lots into a several-story parking garages? And did you consider turning Massachusetts Street into a pedestrian bike um, event kind of venue? So to answer both your questions, both of those were considered. Um, on page 60 of the plan, there's a parking lot to debt conversion uh, analysis. And that just talks about assessing the 17 downtown parking lots and then which of those was most appropriate for parking lot to, to deck conversion. Um, both of those were identified along Vermont street. One was uh, at seventh and Vermont. Another one was between eighth and ninth. So that, that is something that the plan talks about, um, provide some guidance on what that would look like. And then in uh, response to mass street being converted to a, like a ped mall or, um, and I know that's a couple of the comments that we've seen in the chat as well. It, it wasn't something that we put in the plan. Uh, we, we really didn't hear it that often. And in the few times that we did, there was just as much opposition from um, business owners, restaurant owners, and talking about the importance of having that parking along Mass Street, having vehicular traffic along Mass Street. Um, there are a lot of examples of where ped malls have been successful. There are a lot of examples of where ped malls have, have had impacts on the downtown in a negative way too. Um, but that is something that we're hearing through some of the comments over the last couple of weeks of the plan being out there. So it's something that we'll certainly pass forward to the steering committee and talk about with city commission as well. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Cindy, thank you for your comments. Did you have any more? Um, no, I just wanted to ask those couple of questions. That's it. Okay. Thank you very much. Patrick Watkins, you are next. Thanks, Amy. Um, Nick and Jackie, thank you for your work. Um, I'm an attorney. I have an office downtown. I do a little bit of land use work. Um, I would reinforce and I support Stan Hernley's statements about the HRC and about the preservation requirements. And I think he's right. I think that the, the plan could use some clarification about um, what existing regulation is in place right now for downtown developments. Um, but I think you've done a nice job uh, keying in on, on what I think is an important issue facing downtown properties is that there's a number of underdeveloped and I think underutilized properties. Um, and there's probably reasons uh, that some of these are vacant, but I think the primary reason 
that many of these are underutilized is because the cost to redevelop them is already out of, out of scale and, and not feasible in a lot of ways. And I think we've had the unfortunate experience as a community of seeing a number of overbuilt projects um, and developments that uh, tend to offend the senses um, because people are trying to get the economies of scale to develop. And we see large, high, you know, five, six, seven story buildings. Um, so, so my comment and my concern, and I, I sent you a message on this, Nick, I, I didn't mean to send it privately, but um, limiting some of these potential redevelopment sites, and I'm, I'm specifically talking about those off mass um, to one to three stories, um, it, it seems like a, a pretty significant restriction. There's a couple areas where, where redevelopment uh, potential, especially on Vermont, is limited to one to three story. Uh, so in addition to the existing regulation, the preservation, the design guidelines that uh, have to be recognized and acknowledged on these parcels, which have left some of them, uh, not specifically the regulation, but uh, these are undeveloped parcels. I think a, a height limitation in addition to these things could be uh, you know, a virtual guarantee that these are not going to develop. Um, certainly downtown heights need to be paid uh, close attention to, but we have some significant restrictions. So my comment is just that I, I have concern that limiting height uh, to, to such low areas when, when you need some economies of scale could lead to further um, uh, further undeveloped and, and underutilized properties. But thank you for your work. Thank you, Patrick. I am not seeing anybody else um, who's indicating that they would like to speak. And if that's the case, I'd like to give Nick a chance to wrap us up and talk about next steps and um, close out. But I'm, I'm stalling a little here just to see if anybody else wants to raise their hand or type something in the chat or... All right, Nick, the floor is yours. Um, okay, well, again, thanks everybody for participating tonight. We really appreciate um, you giving us your time and uh, letting us go over the, the current draft of the plan. Um, we're able to collect some of your feedback. We're, we are, and I'll just kind of summarize what we've, what we've heard up to this point or what we're seeing in, in different places. A lot of different comments came in from the chat. I don't know, maybe some stuff got directly sent to Amy as well. So one of the things that we'll do is everything that was sent to everyone, stuff that was sent to me um, directly, anything sent to Jackie, anything sent to Amy, all of this information is going to be um, consolidated into one uh, document and then that's what we'll be sharing with the steering committee and that's also what we'll be sharing with uh, city commission um, so our next steps are as we're moving through this this review process we have a steering committee meeting on may 27th um, and in that we'll we'll go over the draft plan similar to the way we went over it tonight um, but we'll also uh, go through the comments that we received on the project website, what we heard tonight, um, and, and anything that we hear between now and then. And then uh, the next meeting will be with City Commission on June 1st, and it'll be, uh, again, a presentation similar to this, um, probably a little bit briefer, but giving them the opportunity to hear all the different comments, all the different ideas that were put out there, um, where we, I mean, like several different people talked about you know, Mass Street as a, as a pedestrian mall, as an example, um, that's something that we would consolidate into one comment and, and give that to, to the groups to digest. Uh, and then moving from there, we'll be refining the draft plan, um, populating the action matrix, and then, then moving on in the, the final plan process.
So with that, if there's any, um, I mean, we can stay on the line here uh, for a few more minutes. If, if anybody has, you know, if there's another hand that gets raised, otherwise um, we appreciate, again, you giving us your time tonight and we look forward to continuing to work with the community on this project. I also want to reiterate that we will post the presentation along with the video from this meeting so that you all get to see the great presentation that Nick gave. Um, and the steering committee will also get a very similar presentation next week as well, but we'll make sure that that's available to you all. And feel free to email downtownplan at lawrenceks.org with any comments, or there is also a survey located on the consultant's website where you find the draft plan. All right. Well, with that, thank you so much. Uh, and everybody have a great night.